Good afternoon. It's me. I'm not even going to introduce myself by name. Or Vixen with three X's. My stage name, really. Yes, my friends, we are in the car once more. Everything new is old again. And I'm going down to buy a breast pump, which is considerably less sexy than you might imagine. And yes, I have a new theory. And I'm going to explicate it for you in gruesome and wildly inappropriately metaphor-laced detail. And hopefully it will make some sense. And uh, so will I. So, I know that I'm not unique in this, but it is unusual and to me extraordinarily instructive the degree to which I am involved in Isabella's upbringing, right? She's now a little over four and a half months, and she's rolling, and she's stroking faces, and she's not not doing babas yet. She's not babbling yet, but she's... um. You know, sort of very. She's sort of getting her her habits and her rhythms and her her sort of uh, schedule down, and you know, turning into as she always was, but more obviously now, quite the tiny and frankly wonderful little person. And it's unusual for a father to be this involved in the raising of his of his child. Even these days, right? And now, I mean, these days it's become a little bit more like uh, neither parent, <laughs> and often, and it's tragic, right? And it arises, I think, out of you know grim statist economic uh, meltdowny conditions. But it has um, become uh, more common for most people to have, or at least most professionals, to have uh, someone else, and both people working, uh, someone else racing raising their children, but then the different thing with Christina and I is that I'm home, and Christina's home, right? She's gone back to work, but she's not seeing a huge number of patients just yet. Um, and uh, so it is very unusual for, you know, two two parents to be home. And it, oh, that's just, that's a huge, I was just saying this to Christina the other day. It's not... <laughs> do you know, it's not, it's not like I've become... It's not like I have a child... It's a very strange thing. Um, it's not like I, I, I'm a guy with a child. Right? Because it's not like I, I have the life that I had before, you know, 16 hours a day or whatever, 17 hours a day of X or whatever it was. And now it's that subtracted, you know, by 20% or 50% or 7 It's It's not my life before with a child added in, right? It's 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 not my life before at all. And that is really, really quite staggering and something I'm still working to process on. I'm still working to process. It's not uh it's not my life uh, at all that I had before. And that really, really, really takes some getting used to. Uh, Isabella is the first thing that I hear and think of uh, in the morning. And uh, because, I mean, she'll sleep for a while and I can get some work done, right? A couple, couple hours a day. Uh, although it's not just getting work done, right? I mean, there's a house that needs to be maintained. There's chores. There's, um, you know, all this other junk that goes along with living. And it really is just astounding. Like when she's, 
because Christina takes her at night, I feel like I should really take her a lot during the day. And so that's, and, and Isabella is, you don't, you don't have a baby in, in the room, at least at her age. You don't have a baby in the room and, uh, do anything other than monitor, stare over, interact with, engage with, keep safe, keep entertained, keep amused, keep distracted. This, uh, the baby, right? So, um, you know, she sleeps, uh, she's in bed 10 to 12 hours at night. And uh, then she, um, you know, she's up, right? And uh, she'll sleep for a couple of hours during the day. But for the rest of that time, that is what you're doing, is you are um, keeping safe and keeping entertained and interacting with uh, Isabella. She's not uh, at an age yet, and that will change at some point uh, somehow. <laughs> she's not at an age yet where she can entertain herself. So it is constant. It's constant and it's unpredictable, right? We put her down to sleep. Could be forty-five minutes. Could be two hours, right? There's not a lot of, not a lot of ways to tell ahead of time. So it's really tough to to plan things. And you know the, the constant changing and then the bathing and you know the, the all all of the stuff that goes to doctors' visits. Some are course, much more rare, but um, and and today, see, we we moved in, you know, and partly because of of FDR and and all that, we we haven't spent the money to get uh, anything done with our backyard or indeed our front we just have all the concrete stadium crap that the the contractors sort of gave us to begin with and oh man <laughs> so we, we haven't we don't even we have like a concrete step on the back porch that leads straight into grass and the grass you know it's not really been too too bad although it does of course keep a lot of bugs and and so on right but um we haven't uh, put any stones down or anything like that uh, anywhere uh, in our backyard. Now, that's changed for me uh, now because uh, we have a baby. So now we can't really put it off, right? Because, you know, she loves being outside. And yet, because she is a baby, and I, th I think this is kind of unusual, um, <laughs> we sort of went through the, the list of high needs baby, right? And actually, it turned out to apply much more to me than to So we stopped that. But... Uh, and she's not a high-needs baby, but uh, she is not happy unless she's carried, right? That, oh, my God, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm on this trip now is I, I just have to go and buy uh, something where I can strap her to me because, uh, you know, my, my forearm is hurting. Um, and uh, it's it's uncomfortable because I'm holding this 16-pound weight, you know, with my arm bent like Napoleon uh, for hours and hours and hours a day and that's just too much for my aging musculoskeletal structure and so she, she always needs to be held right and that's tough and you gotta you know I've, I've learned how to spread you know butter on toast using my hip right <laughs> i went to the grocery store today sorry this is dead whiny time i went to the grocery store today and uh, she was in her car seat in the uh, trolley and uh, you know Ten minutes in, she starts to arch her back, trying to twist out. She just wants to be up, wants to be up. It's not like she can't see, because she can see, right? But she just wants to be up and held. I think held more than up. Although I shouldn't say that, because if I hold her with her chest to my chest, she gets kind of fussy. But if I hold her facing out, she, that's where she's happy, right? And you end up with these ridiculous, you know, like half her, one leg is up and her back, and she's arched. You have to make sure you keep adjusting her. So it's, it's very tiring, and one arm thing is gets tiring uh, after a while. And so, because of that as well, and again, I don't know how common that is. I suspect that's not every baby. At least it's not my nieces, as I remember. But uh, but she really is. She loves to be held. And she's really not happy when she's not being held. 
And that is a whole other world of investment, right? Just time and energy and aches and pains and so on, right? But that's the way it is, right? I mean, what is the alternative? She, you can't <laughs> let a baby cry it out when she's four months old, right? So I'll, I'll get to the theory shortly. Let me just whine for a, <laughs> a few moments, right? Because she's a great kid. I mean, she really is fantastic and wonderful and barely cries. And, you know, she is just great. But she is, uh, it, it is a huge amount of, uh, of resources, and uh, I, for, for reasons I'll talk about in a, in a bit, I, I was sort of reading um, the life of an 18th century intellectual. And he has a kid, uh, a son, and, you know, kisses the boy and then goes away for 18 months and comes back, right? And, and this is sort of a tradition in, in my family, right, that the men, the men vanish. Daddy long legs, we call them. And this is uh, when you read uh, some of the stuff on the psychohistory in the psychohistory journal that I get, that uh, father involvement in early childhood uh, care is is really rare, is really minimal, uh, is really uh, 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 small. Uh, and uh, often, you know, six, seven, the, the, the fathers will start to get involved if and when the sort of the physical education of the child becomes important uh, in ancient Greece. They didn't see them until well into their uh, uh, latency period. Or barely saw them, right? Uh, and... There is this uh, historical aspect of things where the dads are just not involved in the education and the care of infants. And it's pretty rare. I don't know the degree to which there are stay-at-home dads, but it's, a, it's in the single digits percentage-wise, if I remember rightly, but it's pretty small. And I think, I think that's... That's really significant. Because, I tell you, I mean, it, it's, it's a huge investment to, uh, to parent a child. I mean, excuse me, it's huge and it keeps up at night, but it's a huge investment to, to parent a child. It's, it's bigger than I thought, and and you know, not to whine too explicitly because I'm aware, right? But because she's actually a really good kid, right? I mean, Isabella is a really good-natured, a happy, you know, not sick, not colicky, not uh, cryy, not unknown, ex- unexplained X, Y, and Z. I mean, she's a really good kid, but it is pretty mind-blowing. I kind of had this idea, you know, you, you sort of read, oh, babies will sleep, you know, newborns will sleep sixteen to twenty hours a day. Ha! So you think at least for a while, you know, she's not going to be, you know, she's just going to be like a lump, right? And uh, that's not really the case uh, at all. I mean, uh, she's certainly sleeping better now than she was in the past, but sure as heck wasn't that, wasn't sleeping that much. And um, uh, and even then, she, you know, constant monitoring, uh, it was really good to be able to uh, to interact with her and so on. And now, of course, when she can... She can turn over now, right? And, of course, you can't leave babies unattended at any time, right? But even if I just sort of go and get a glass of water while she's in her uh, her playpen, uh, she could turn over, right? And then she's over and not happy, right? So that's another uh, challenge or, or issue, if you like. So it's just, I mean, it's mind-blowing uh, how much... Uh, time, uh, energy, concentration, distraction, investment. And then this, and again, I say this as the guy, I mean, I take her uh, perhaps a little more during the day, now, that, especially now Christina's gone back to work, but I say this as the guy who, relative to my wife, has got it pretty easy, right? I mean, I, 
uh, I'm rarely up with her at night. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm not having this beast gnaw at my <laughs> nipples and breast pumping and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I have it pretty easy and I find it to be just an enormous amount uh, of work. You know, it's, for the most part, it's work I happily do, right? So I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to turn anybody off having kids, right? I mean, cause they are, I mean, she is just a delight. She is just wonderful. Um, but the other thing too that I've sort of noticed is that she, um, you know, she engages with me for sure, but she really wants to go out and explore the world. So a lot of it is sort of her pointed at the world, if that makes any sense. So you're just sort of helping her to explore her world rather than having these sort of deep, meaningful staring contests that, you know, I guess at some degree, when you look at those Hallmark cards, that's sort of what I was, uh, uh, that's sort of what I was thinking of. But that's, that's a little bit, uh, uh different than, than what I expected, but you know, it's, it's what it is, right? And so I was sort of thinking, well, why, why would it have developed this way? Well, obviously there's, you know, in the way that we evolved as a species, there's the the breastfeeding and then the hunter-gathering, right? So there's some controversy about how much nutrition and protein and calories the hunter-gatherers, well, the hunter part of the hunter-gatherers actually put together. But if we just say that there was the breastfeeders and then there were hunter-gatherers, right? So there was some practical evolution to having the women take care, be the primary caregivers of the infants, and then the men do not be the primary caregivers. But given that even the most dedicated hunter-gatherer has to stop when it starts getting dark, right? Um, it's still not too clear to me, at least it wasn't until I've got this theory, which may not make it clear, but at least helps point me in some direction that's useful. Um, it's not entirely clear to me why then that, that there would be still such a degree of segregation between fathers and children, right? So let's say, oh, dad's off hunting woolly mammoth or whatever, but he still comes back and he's at home or in the igloo or the cave or the hut or whatever for hours and hours, right? And why would there then still be this, this segregation? And... That uh, I have a I have a sort of theory as to why, and I'll I'll talk about it a bit. And I don't <laughs> there's no proof, right? But uh, there's some logic, hopefully, and some you know empirical uh, evidence, and hopefully that will be enough to at least excite interest in the possibility that this might be useful as opposed to ah, it's it's itself. You know, it when you've gone through this process, are you going through this process of realizing just how much staggering investment it takes? To, to parrot a baby, it's really hard to look at anyone, uh, or a mass, or a crowd, or you know, someone, woman just walked in front of a young woman, uh, couldn't have been more than 17 or 18, just walked in front of the car. And it's hard not to think of her as learning how to grab her own feet and blowing raspberries. Because you just, you see, as I've mentioned before, like, there's these, you see these trees and they sort of, but they go, the, the roots go down to the center of the earth in terms of where we all came from and the crib and history and all that. So it's really hard. It's, it's, a, it's hard to look at the world and not see just how much work has gone into everyone who's made it to adulthood or, you know, even medium childhood. You know, once you've been up, uh, once you've done all of the work, uh, once you've, uh, or I haven't done it, but once you're involved and, and you really do get just how much staggering work 
it takes to create a human being, it's hard not to think of human beings as innately more valuable, if that makes any sense. Um, it's sort of like realizing that the doodles you have sitting around in your attic were actually penned by Michelangelo. It just it changes them from just a bunch of junk you're storing to a rare uh, and wonderful collector's item, right? Uh, and and once you realize just how much work goes into raising a, and caring for and tending and feeding and changing and clothing a human being, it's really hard to ever be cavalier about human life, right? The guy being waterboarded was, you know, swaddled, and his mother got up to feed and change him at night and was exhausted and worried. And when he slept too long during the day, she might have panicked and <laughs> done what you're not supposed to do, but which is hard to resist sometimes. Check the breathing, right? Hold up that uh, Laertes mirror, right? And it's really a kind of fundamental aspect of being a parent to just realize, dear, sweet mother Lord Jesus above, it is astounding how much work goes into raising a human being. And I'm just, I mean, what am I, four and a half months in, right? Plus some time, you know, beforehand to helping Christina with the pregnancy, um, plus beforehand not helping Christina with the non-pregnancy. But um, I'm four and a half months in, and it's true that they are in many ways the toughest four and a half months or the toughest, you know, first six months, first year. But, I mean, I've got, I mean, so let's say four and a half years, right? That's a long way in the future. You know, Isabella's still going to be pretty damn helpless, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not like she's going to be zooming off to college in a Camaro. So, it's just so much work. And it is. It's great work. You know, FDR is a huge amount of work, or at least it was. It's, you know, I've had to scale back a little bit, but actually quite a lot. But uh, but it's great, right? And, you know, we're not letting, we're not going to let her cry it out. We're not going to do any of those kinds of things. So those are the additional challenges that we're facing as, you know, hopefully reasonably enlightened parents who are trying to learn from the mistakes of, of uh, our own histories and, and so on. So, but it's, it's, sweet God, it's so hard to see humanity in the same way again. It's so much work. Every human being is the product of a staggering amount of, of labor. And, And that's one, so that's one aspect. Sorry it's taken so long to explain this. I'm just trying to uh, uh, get all of the uh, complexity and, and so the emotions. I mean, I want to get just how, ah, you know, everyone, everyone uh, who, who is alive has just had this staggering amount of labor poured into them. And uh, it, it just makes human life and success just that much more staggeringly uh, important and, and valuable. So, what I sort of mean is that it's, you know, when, when you're a dad or a mom and you, you really get in a way that it's hard to get really without going through it, just how much 
work there is in a in, in raising a human being. Do you know what I find just so so amazingly hard to comprehend is the draft. Like I, I, I can't get how parents who've put so much work into the into into raising their children, right? The sleeplessness, the right, the, the constant. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> my daughter. It's not always the greatest thrill in the world to pass the rattle back and forth four hundred times a day, right? I mean, it's it's uh, you gotta find ways to make it engaging, right? So it's, it can be a little dull at times too, right? And I, I just like with all of that investment behind you. How could you turn over your kid to the state in that way? How could it just not be the most appalling thing? And I mean, I'm even talking like, you know, I mean, so much work into Isabella, who's such a wonderful human being. You know, it, it, it fundamentally offends my sensibilities that she would be turned over as a piece of tax cattle for men and women infinitely her inferior and mine and yours right that it's the tiny it's the tininess of our masters that is actually the most shameful thing about our slavery right to be ruled by a god would be something a god called reason and evidence perhaps to be ruled by a god would be subjugatory it would be subjugation but it would be thrilling uh, it would, there would be some, some pride in at least having been conquered by a god rather than these empty, rhetorical, little vermin that run humanity. Sarkozy, Bush, Clinton. These are the cockroaches who run the deities of the species. It's ridiculous. Think of the First World War. The mortality rate was staggeringly high, and moms and dads would tell their children, their sons, to go and uh, and fight. There's a chilling scene in Fahrenheit 911, as I mentioned before, where this mother, uh, her son's weeping, saying he doesn't want to go, he's terrified, to Iraq, right? And it's not the draft, but she says, no, 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 you signed up, you have to. It's your duty, your honor, we fulfill our commitments, right? That, to me, is completely bizarre. It's like... I mean, there's no analogy that can do it justice. It's like spending 20 years... 70 hours a week... painting uh, the most beautiful painting... or a series of the most beautiful paintings the world has ever seen... And then when some guy says, give it to me so I can burn them, you're like, here you go. I'm spending 20 years creating the most beautiful music. And then handing it over to a guy so he can burn it. Shred it. Writing the most beautiful poetry for 20 years. 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Inspiration strikes you in the middle of the night and yanks you out of bed. 
Some guy comes along and says, Okay, uh, this poetry's mine now. And you're like, Great! Be sure to shred it well. There's no metaphor that can do the horror of this justice, right? It can't be done. It can't be done. I mean, how fucked up, dysthymic, depressed, self-hating, hating of your children, hating of the world, must you be to hand over the treasure of your loins carefully raised, fed, watered, cleansed, inoculated, exercised, to hand it over to the disassembling butchers of the majestically petty state. What must your mind be like? I swear to God, if there was ever a draft and they wanted to take Isabella, there is no fucking way on God's green earth that would ever, ever happen. Ever. I would go and live with her and Christina in the Amazon rather than hand the treasure of my life over to these petty butchers. And so, in a sense, I don't know how to best put it, in a sense, the reason that fathers are kept away from young children is so that they don't see just how much energy and investment goes into their raising. Because if they did really get it, really get it in their bones, which you can't get if you don't see your kids very often or if you see them for an hour or two before bedtime because you work 50 hours a week or whatever out of the home. If you just don't get in your bones... How much work goes into children and how precious they are, you simply couldn't spend. You simply couldn't spend human lives like pennies falling from the purse of a billionaire. You simply couldn't. Because you would see the cloud of energy floating over these human beings as children, as teens, as adults, that made their existence possible and so fundamentally valuable. And since it is men who determine war to a large degree, keeping men away from infants and toddlers and shielding them from the amount of work that goes into them means that they they don't get it. And the fact that they don't get how much work goes into raising children. Viscerally. You may get it. If you don't get it viscerally, then it's easier to have a war, right? Because, you know, it's just pins on a map, right? Bodies in a costume. It is, of course, uh, my hope that you know, fathers in particular will stay more involved with uh, with their children because then it's you you just you can't miss it. You can't miss how much effort and investment goes in, and and then you can't just 
You can't be indifferent to life. You can't be indifferent to human life. And I'm not like I'm not saying every dad who doesn't stay home is indifferent to human life, right? I'm, I'm just talking about some extremes here. And the larger pattern of why would men be kept away from children even when there was no particular need from a biological standpoint? Well, because you can't have war without dehumanization and you can't have dehumanization if you view every human being as a pillar that goes deep into the bowels of the earth of their history from babyhood onwards. You know, if, if, I, if I see a, you know, some, some tall, leggy woman in shorts, right? It's, I mean, it sounds weird, but it's true. You, you can't look at that leg without imagining it curled, wrinkled, and pudgy with its toes curling in, sitting on a change table getting wiped because the poo <laughs> ran down to the ankle, right? You just, you can't... It's, it's hard to take people with that same kind of... Uh, the, the poses don't work anymore, right? I mean, if you've really been heavily involved in the raising of children, it doesn't mean that... It doesn't mean I don't find women attractive or anything, but it, it, it's you, you can't help but think of it, right? Some woman with long, lustrous hair or whatever... Or, you know, some guy with washboard abs, you can't help but think of them as, you know, mostly bald and with a nice little baby's chunky pudge. Right? <laughs> it's, um, it's hard to, you just can't look at people the same way. And it deflates a lot of the, um, the posing, you know? You know, the people who want to be sexy and edgy and contemporary and vivacious and all that. You just can't help but think of them, you know, peeing their own diapers and making raspberry sounds when they're excited. I just, it, it and so the people who, and, and here, sorry, I've just shift gears a little bit. And, and this is where the true tragedy arises uh, in in the examination of people, right? Because... I mean, Isabella is so blissfully not self-conscious, right? I mean, she's just gloriously not concerned <laughs> with how chunky her calves are or, you know, whether she has back fat. Or, I mean, she's just so gloriously unself-conscious uh, and, and affectionate and her heart is open and, oh, dear God, you know, I mean, she smiles at people and they smile back or they smile at her and she smiles back. And it is a simple, beautiful, genuine, open-hearted human interaction. And, you know, if you're out there, please treat my girl nicely. She is an absolute treasure. Please try to uh, to treat her well. She is so beautiful, and she so much uh, deserves all the good things that uh, humanity can bestow. And she will bestow back ten times more than you give her, I guarantee. I guarantee it. Just be nice to her. She deserves it, and you deserve it, too. So, the other thing that's occurred for me, other than this slow, dawning, staggering realization of, of the effort and the humanity uh, of, of each individual, I'm also really getting a sense of firmness when it comes to corruption or, or evil. Uh, it may sound strange, right, to say, oh, there's all this empathy and so on, but it really, it's a double-edged sword for sure. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Hopefully it'll make some kind of sense. Um, uh, I really get a sense, being a dad, I really get a sense of, of just how horribly wrong 
it can be. How horribly wrong it can go. I mean, if you're the wrong kind of person, if you if you haven't done the work that you need to 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 re, to grow your empathy, if it's been undermined or or to expand it, if it whatever you need to do to be a good dad, and I'm still figuring all that stuff out. But if you haven't done that work, and 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 how horribly wrong it can go. Like like if, for instance, and I think this is sadly common among parents, right? You have these kids. I don't know why, because you think maybe they're gonna you know be all kinds of affectionate and so on and. You know, my mom was, was, you know, she loved the attention when we were young and cute, right? Just not so much when we were older and surly. But, uh, you know, two little blonde, blue-eyed, precocious, verbal children, you know, lots of... And, you know, I like that too. I like the fact that people come up to Isabella and give her smiles and say how, you know, cute and smiley she is and all that. I mean, that's nice. It's nice, right? I mean, I'm not going to say that it's, oh, I'm indifferent. It was, it's really nice. But, oh, man, if you had... If you had shit that you really wanted to get done in life, and you hadn't got that done by the time you had kids, oh man, I could see that. I could see this huge chafing against the life that you have. Like this, if, you know, like you want to go north and the wind is just pushing you south and you're fighting the whole time. And man, I can totally see that if you were not happy with your life and did not have the life that you want and had these, you know, big unfulfilled, whether realistic or not, it doesn't really matter, these big unfulfilled ambitions or delusions or of grandeur or things that you were achievable, it doesn't really matter. But if you had all these other things that you just, you know, oh, so desperately wanted to get done or felt that you could get done or I could be famous, rich, and beautiful if it wasn't for this squalling infant who wants to be held all the time, I can totally see how... Oh, man, just resentment uh, would flood in. It wouldn't even, you know, ease in. It would just flood in. Uh, and this constant, like, then it would be like the ch- the child's natural. I mean, children are babies, at least, for sure. Are just these black holes, right, of need and, and uh, all that. And I can completely see how you would just view every additional cry you know, oh, I could just, I could be a famous novelist. I just need some time. Oh my God, the baby's crying again. Oh my God, the baby's hungry again. Oh my God, I have to heat up some milk. Oh my God, I have to change her again. Oh my God, she's cranky. Oh my God, I just put her down and she wants to be picked up again. Oh my, like you would just be chafing the whole time. And I, I wrote about this a little bit with Alder in uh, The God of Atheists, but I really, really get just how horribly wrong it can go if you view children as an accessory to enhance your drive towards ambition, fame, success, and riches. Uh, man, you'd just be running into a <laughs> giant, enormous, pudgy, and often slightly damp uh, statue of babyhood that would not let you pass, and you would just rail against it, right? I mean, it just it would be awful. Uh, it would be enraging. I, and I think, I mean, again, not to pick on my mom, but but I think she she I know that she really had this idea that she was talented, rich, and beautiful. I mean, she was beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. Physically, uh, of course, and uh, this idea that oh, if it wasn't for these kids, you know, I could, I could be, I could be so much, I could be so great, I could be so deep, I could be all of this, that, and the other, and with ketchup on the side, and that would just be horrible. I mean, and that's relatively minor relative to all the other things that can go wrong. So seeing how many and much resources infants need. Boy, if you were set against them, and also how preternaturally sensitive they are to your moods, right? If I'm not feeling particularly happy and I try to make Isabella laugh, it will not work. If I'm genuinely happy and try to make her laugh, it will work. She knows the difference. 
at a couple of months old. She knows the difference um, between what I'm, you know, when I'm faking and when I'm real. And it's not a huge fake, but you understand, right? I mean, it's just, it, she really is a fantastic barometer for authenticity because she is so fundamentally authentic herself. It's not trying to man- manipulate or achieve any kind of effect, right? And it's a beautiful thing to see, but it, you know, it is a challenge for all of us who have our little fakery tricks, right? To, to remember to not, uh, you know, to not express what you do not uh, feel, to not fake, to not pretend. And so I can, you know, when, when, you know, if it goes wrong, uh, if, if, uh, if babyhood goes wrong, like really wrong, like you end up with some uh, violent or abusive or narcissistic uh, parents, oh man, I can completely see just how undoable that is. Seeing the degree to which my mood has an effect on her, and I'm not a particularly moody fellow, but I mean, we, we have, we all have our moments, right? Seeing how much my mood affects her, seeing how much all of that just, just forms who she is, that, that Christina and I are the world which she inhabits. Uh, we are more real to her than the ceiling and gravity. And if we weren't available, if we weren't happy, if we weren't positive, if we weren't in love, if we weren't friendly, if we weren't these things, I can just see how horribly wrong, how off the ditch it can go. Um, and that to me, it has a kind of irrevocability to it. Um, and I don't know, I don't have any facts about this and I don't think there are any facts to, to know for sure. But it is uh, also, you know, when you, when you meet these, uh, cold, nasty people so often uh, online, it is, you know, in that, in that stake that goes into the bowels of the earth, right? In that aspect of, their existence it is really 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 easy to see just how embedded those dysfunction are those dysfunctions are i know it's a pretty chilling thing to talk about and i've had some intimations of it before like the characters who can't adapt into goa and other novels that i've written but it is you know, it's, when you see how deeply embedded people are based on their histories and their infancies and how they were treated and what their experiences were, that, that really they're so embedded. You know, when you're trying to change someone's mind, you're not trying to push a sapling, right? You, you, you're trying to push a sapling made of iron that has roots that go down to the center of the earth, right? You, you can't, uh, you can't do it. It doesn't mean people can't change themselves, right? But you can't change them, of course, right? And, Seeing, you know, when a personality is awry, seriously awry, you know, like trolley or abusive or whatever, when the personality is seriously awry, I mean, I really get in a way that I didn't before, other than at a really abstract level, I really get, like, it's so embedded. This is why the don't engage thing is so important, right? It is such an embedded thing. There is no little argument or interaction or powerful argument or big interaction or long interaction that's going to change that person. I mean, maybe they'll change over time if they want to, but it'll take years or decades and you know, a huge amount of resources because reparenting in terms of infancy is really, really tough. And so seeing just how powerful the influences are over Isabella and her experience and how her personality is either being allowed to develop naturally or not in the same way her body is um, by positive and warm and friendly and happy interactions, it, you know, that is going to give her such a strong rootedness. Uh, in her life as, as to be taking pleasure in who she is and to really recognize and understand that she brings pleasure to others based on who she is. But it really is clear to me 
that when it goes wrong, it just goes so enormously wrong. And to all intents and purposes, at least in terms of internet interactions, it is irrevocably wrong because it just goes so deep into history that, you know, IMs and typing and board fights can't, can't change it. Right. So I just, these are just some of the thoughts that I had. It's not really a parenting series so much. I'm not really talking about what I'm doing as a parent, just sort of more <laughs> me, 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 I, me, me, I experiences as a parent. But this, uh, this idea about how deep it goes, um, about how it's so important to keep, like if you want to have a corrupt and violent society, it's so important to keep parents away from, uh, caring for infants, dads away in particular, uh, from caring for, in- for, uh, for infants. And there's another reason why the world's getting a little colder, right? Because parents are having less uh, interaction with uh, infants than they used to because we have to go we've gone back to a two-parent family because of high taxation and so on. So, I hope this stuff has been of interest to you. Please let me know if it's not, and I will stop rambling about uh, all of this sort of stuff. And uh, if it is of interest, uh, let me know as well, and I will perhaps grace you with even more rambling. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for your support, um, uh, for your for your interest, for your enthusiasm, and I will talk to you soon.